0: Hello and welcome back to Management 101. My name is Max Winokur. I am your host Mm -hmm. and thanks for coming back. Today we are going to be talking about managing remote talent. Uh, This is a question I've gotten from a lot of listeners and by a lot I mean maybe three, uh, which is actually a lot for me to be fair. Uh, And the big question that comes up is should I be hiring people remotely And why is it hard to manage them if they've already done so? And so today we'll talk, talk through the pros and cons of hiring remotely, as well as, you know, what it takes to be a manager of remote workforce. I will start by just saying I am a bit biased. Um, I am very pro remote workforce, uh, having a remote workforce. I'm very pro hiring remotely and I'll talk through why, but. Definitely let's start with that, that bias, uh, out of the way. So first remote work, it's, uh, it's different. It is not better. It is not worse, uh, than in-person. And here's why certainly all other things being equal in-person collaboration is tremendously helpful. When I have worked yeah. in-person with a whole team that was also in-person just the ability to talk to people next to me between meetings and also just read people's, uh, emotions during meetings and, and be able to discuss things live. It's a very different feeling than working remotely. I could walk up to the whiteboard and we could talk through, uh, you know, whatever problem we were discussing and draw it out. And while there has been a lot of progress made in the technological tools that, um, that, replicate in-person, it it is still simply an attempt to replicate in-person work. And so I'll I'll be clear that all of the things being equal, definitely in-person work trumps remote work. Um, But all of the things are not equal. I personally live in San Diego, California. It is a a burgeoning tech scene, but it is not uh, the Bay Area, you know, around Silicon Valley. It is not an Austin. It is not a New York yet. Um, it probably won't ever be quite those three places in terms of, uh, a number of startups or amount of talent available. Um, so just as a good example, a company that is founded in San Diego, they could either pick from a smaller population that's local if they just want to hire people in person, or if they're willing to hire remotely they could pick from a much larger talent pool one that is uh first of all has just more people in it and therefore more likely to have someone who matches the skill set and uh culture fit that you need but two um might be cheaper when i think about you know what salaries look like in a new york or a san francisco or or an austin compared to being able to hire someone who's based in maybe san diego maybe pittsburgh um, maybe even offshore, you know, there's, there are big differences in cost. And as much as you want to have everyone be, uh, the best possible talent, there are obviously some trade-offs, uh, when it comes to cost. If someone costs half as much, but produces 75% as well, that feels like a pretty good trade-off I'd rather have two of that person than one of someone else. Um, so anyway, uh, all that's to say that, um, While in-person collaboration is always better, the availability of talent to a startup who one is cash strapped and two really needs to hire people quickly really changes the changes, the, the trade-offs or the balance between in-person and remote. And so for that reason, I, uh, I believe that remote is, is one here to stay, but also two is probably a better fit for for most startups just because of the availability of talent. Why is remote work here to stay? Well, I think the labor market dictates it. I think that there are there are more and more companies who are offering it and the companies that don't will be left behind in terms of their access to talent. Um, people are better prioritizing their personal lives than they have in a long time. And um, being in an office from nine to six or whatever it is every single day uh, really, uh, creates a lot of barriers to to living a flexible personal life and so i think the labor force demands it and so i think long term if a company is pushing for fully in person five days a week and is not considering hiring either hybrid talent or talent that is not in the same city they are almost guaranteed to lose out in the long term but i will call out uh, remote employees are definitely harder to manage Um, first of all, I think it, it is harder to keep track of what someone is doing when they're remote, when I'm next to you, it's pretty easy to know what you're up to as a manager. Um, it is also harder to collaborate. Like I talked about being able to access a whiteboard and having everyone in the same room, just bouncing ideas around. It does not feel the same on zoom. I think it's also a lot harder to hold remote employees accountable, um, You know, you're not interacting with them nearly as frequently, uh, the, the sort of like tap you on the shoulder to see what's going on doesn't exist. You might not have as easy access to them on Slack as you might, if they were in person. So there are a lot of reasons why, um, remote work is harder to manage and remote employees are harder to manage, but I think then you'll see over the course of this episode, if, if you're able to overcome some of those challenges. You will, as a leader, reap tremendous rewards by hiring people who are not in the same office as you every single day. So let's talk about what to do to make sure that remote employees are successful. I already talked through some of these challenges. The one-on-one frequency. So first of all, not being able to tap someone on the shoulder is a really big deal. It means that um, every time I need to, chat with someone, it needs to be either a live scheduled interaction, which isn't required when I sit next to someone, I can be like, Hey, Jim, tell me what's going on with this thing. Or like Jim, Pam, I'm having this problem and uh, I feel like, you know, something about it and uh, might be able to help me that doesn't exist when someone's remote. And so, uh, we need to figure out a way to replicate that. When I, um, have a one-on-one with a direct report in person. That is almost guaranteed not my only interaction with them. And so it's okay to have a a one-on-one with someone in person just once a week, because over the course of the rest of the week, I'm going to have a lot of those ad hoc conversations with that person, uh, outside of the one-on-one. I will, I'm much less likely to have those types of conversations with an employee who is remote. Um, I can't, I don't sit next to them. Uh, I might slack with them, but there's a lot lost in translation there. And so all this is to say, I think the first best practice with managing remote employees is increasing your one-on-one frequency with them compared to a counterpart who might be in person. And so I have found oftentimes that, um, maybe two 30 or 45 minute weekly one-on-ones works a lot better than just one 30 minute weekly one-on-one. When an employee is remote, uh, they have missed out on a lot of sort of the updates that are going on in other meetings. They might have gotten just a little bit off track with one of their projects and just having these multiple weekly checkpoints. First of all, I think helps them feel a lot more engaged in the company, but it also gets you a lot better handle on what they're up to. And you can sort of make, make more easy corrections before they go too far down a specific path that maybe wasn't the right one. Another best practice with managing remote employees is, um, on the responsiveness side, you as a manager, obviously you're accessible generally via a Slack or some other sort of chat feature. Um, you might have your, your scheduled zoom meetings. Think about the way that people in person can access you. Um, they can tap you on the shoulder. They might see you at lunch, or they might run into you at the proverbial water cooler, though. I don't know how relevant that reference is still, um, your remote employee doesn't get to do any of that. And so the way to replicate that with a remote employee is not just by increased one-on-one frequency, but also ensuring that you are responsive to them. Seeing Slack or some of the other tools they use to communicate with you as, uh, their versions of tapping you on the shoulder and adjusting your approach with them to prioritize those methods of communication versus someone who is in person. And therefore when they slack you, maybe you don't need to be quite as responsive because you might see them again shortly. So important to think about responsiveness to your remote employees in a different way than you think about it, uh, with your in-person employees and I, I think it is very fair, in fact, to prioritize responding to remote employees' emails and Slack messages or Teams messages. Sorry, I keep mes- mentioning Slack, but your company might be on another software um, over the same methods of communication with your in-person employees. Third, in-person frequency. So one thing I will call out, um, I was uh, I was in a full-time role once where... My team was fully remote, so none of us were in the same place, or if we were like, you know, we were in the same general metro area, but not the same office. Um, it's a team of more than 30 people. I never met a single one of them. The company was fully remote. Uh, and to be clear, I think in a lot of ways that made total sense for this company. Um, we had a very spread out workforce. Uh, we had a lot greater access to talent than a competitor in the space. who was only hiring in person, uh, lots of benefits, but I never met over the course of, um, m- more than a year in the role. I never met a single one of my direct reports. Um, and I never met a single member of my larger team and it was, um, it it created a different feeling than I had ever had with a team that I'd even met just a few times in person. So while a workforce can definitely be fully remote, I don't think it should be permanently like that in the sense that I think it is very important to bring people together on some regular basis. Um, I know the, the finance people listening to this podcast, meaning like the one The one finance person listening to this podcast is probably sitting here being like, that costs a ton of money. And my response would be that is correct. Um, however, uh, the value I think is while hard to calculate is definitely significantly greater than whatever that cost is. Um, meeting someone in person allows you to more easily read them when you're not in person. It allows you to build a relationship in ways that is really hard to replicate, not in person, and even just doing it once every three to six months creates a sense of grounding for your remote employees, creates a sense of community and purpose and, um, togetherness for your remote employees that, uh, simply cannot be created in a fully remote environment. And so I don't think this is like, we need everyone in the office one day a week and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for someone who's outside of Omaha, Nebraska and you're based in San Francisco. But I do think it's something like every team gets together once every quarter, let's say, um, and just spends time together, maybe does some planning, does some team building exercises. Cause I think that goes a long way towards building relationships. And I also think it goes a long way toward retention. Uh, I can tell you having spoken with many of my former teammates and director boards who I've worked with in person versus remote. There is a much stronger sense of commitment to your work in your company. When you have at least a partial in-person, um, uh, opportunity to work together. And then, um, one other area that I think is important to think about with ensuring remote employees are successful is the, uh, engagement with the broader team. So again, uh, the example of being able to chat at lunch or go to happy hours, things like that, you know, they, some of those sound a little antiquated, but I do think that they're very common in the startup world today. Um, those are, uh, really, um, those both create connections for your employees. Uh, but they also, um, allow for information transfer, particularly informally that otherwise just simply doesn't happen for remote employees. And so when I think about some of the biggest challenges I've had with remote employees, it's been in part because their work has not connected very well to the work that their peers were doing in, uh, in partner functions. And that was because all of their peers were able to talk to each other and sort of like work well together, but the remote person wasn't having those ongoing interactions outside of meetings and so uh, a lot of their work sort of almost seemed out of context at times because they weren't staying up to date and so um i do think it's worth creating opportunities for the broader team to engage this uh means more regular all hands perhaps so i worked at a company that had an all hands every single week that was uber and uh just the Ongoing sense of purpose that created for employees was really helpful. And obviously not every single Uber employee worked in the San Francisco headquarters. We were all over the world. Um, I think having sometimes in-person meetings where you have like a cross-functional planning meeting may be really useful. I also think that creating informal spaces virtually is really helpful. So, um, one of the companies I used to work with had a monthly, um, monthly virtual trivia where, uh, employees were paired with people from other parts of the organization and they were put on trivia teams and it was all virtual via zoom. Um, actually you, you met the CEO of a few episodes ago, Spencer Fertig. He, uh, he owns bar None games and, um, that's the company that did our virtual games. Highly recommend by the way, great product. Um, they do not sponsor this show. Although maybe I should reach out to him about at least some sort of Venmo payment for this uh, very clear advertisement. Anyway, uh, neither here nor there. I think creating opportunities for team engagement where uh, people get to know each other, people feel a little bit more familial, it's more casual, really important, but also creating opportunities within meetings. Uh, Maybe you sort of have this forcing function of people sharing what they're up to during all hands or during team meetings where you say, okay, everyone's just gonna present like three bullets on what they're up to so that everyone else can be aware of what this function is up to or what this team is up to. And so even the remote employees get a little bit of that flavor of, okay, this is what is going on in the rest of the team. I should be aware of these things. I should be reaching out to these people, et cetera. Okay. So talked a little bit about, um, why it is hard to manage remote employees. Um, what to do to make sure that they are successful. Um, another thing that I want to call out is, um, expectation setting. I do think this is a very different practice with a remote employee. Um, an in-person employee comes into an office and gets to see how everyone else operates. That is a forcing function for them. Um, if everyone else is there at exactly 9. AM that employee is over time, probably going to start planning to be there around 9. Um, otherwise it might be awkward if every employee, um, typically schedules in-person meetings, um, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or like typically gets lunch at a certain hour, you name it, all these cultural norms are very obvious in person. They are not for remote employees. How would a remote employee know when everyone else gets to the office, particularly if they're in a different time zone, maybe that's not necessarily realistic for them. So I do think Creating expectations for remote employees is important and um, creating some flexibility on how you think about those to accommodate remote employees are are both going to be helpful in making sure that they're successful. So one area to set expectations in, when is the rest of the team typically working? So um, I have a client who I work with part-time. All of the employees are on the East Coast, uh, except me. I'm on the West Coast. And we established pretty early on when the overlapping hours of availability would be, so um that team starts working i'm I'm guessing around nine nine thirty a m eastern uh maybe a bit later uh they do not schedule meetings with me before about that time in, in pacific time we establish that we establish that cultural norm very early on um they sort of have a later in the day schedule. I have a slightly earlier day in the day schedule, and we have a good amount of overlap, like five or six hours where we're all online. And um, the fact that that was able to be established up front avoided a lot of problems down the road where maybe I'd be getting the invites to meetings and I'd say, Well, I thought I was working different hours, or I'd be sending them invites to meetings at what might be like 9 p.m. their time. They'd be like, What is going on here? Uh, I am tired. Uh, so I do think just setting expectations around. Not just when is the team typically working, but also what is the schedule that makes sense for that person before you even hire them will save you a lot of problems down the road Two. what communication do you need from this person? The, the weekly one-on-one might work for an in-person direct report. Uh, but is that the only point of interaction you're going to have with a remote employee? Um, is that enough that, that period of time, is that enough information? or enough, like a high enough frequency of information of what they're up to. Um, I, I, this is all very leading uh, questions. The answer is definitely not. I think when it comes to remote employees asking for more regular updates on what they're up to, if it's like a, okay, we, we meet twice a week. And then you just send me like a very brief few bullet update at the end of the week on what's going on with your various projects, or you create, um, more structured documentation around what, um, what that person's up to and their, um, deadlines and their focus areas, uh, all of that will help that person be more effective and be more impactful, uh, and isn't necessarily all as useful for an in-person employee. So how do you, what amount of communication do you need from them? Set that expectation very early on. I have found the like Friday afternoon update email to the boss. A very useful one with remote employees where they say, Hey, here's what I accomplished this week. Here's what I'm planning on next week. And then, um, I can get a sense of how that's going over time. Our one-on-one documents tend to be a little bit more built out with, um, uh, due dates and more detail in each project. And, um, between that email and like a twice a week interaction, I'm actually speaking with that person or interacting with that person pretty regularly, even though they're remote. And then the other expectation is set, um, which I've already talked about is one-on-one frequency. So again, I, I cannot underscore this enough. One-on-ones need to be more frequent for employees who are remote. If you're just talking once a week or once every two weeks with, um, a remote employee, and you're doing the same thing with your in-person employees, for sure that remote employee is going to fall behind either in terms of their overall engagement with the company or in terms of, uh, their delivery on their work because they're just not getting the same context that in-person people are. Last section, typical problems that you will run into with remote employees and some um, some ideas on how to, how to work around them or how to fix them. So um, the main one that I have run into, and this has been pretty consistent when not setting the right expectations and not checking in on those, has been responsiveness. One of the advantages to an employee of remote work is that they can slot in their work around other commitments in their personal life. Um, Maybe they're at home with a child. Uh, Maybe they have doctor's appointments during the day. Uh, You can expect on average that a remote employee will be less responsive to you than an in-person employee um, simply because there's no forcing function in the same way, right? But if I, if I ping someone who sits next to me, And they're still sitting next to me an hour later and haven't responded one. That's really weird, but two, I can tap them on the shoulder. That is not the case for remote employees. So I think this is a two-way street here. One, I think it's important to expect slightly less responsiveness from your remote employees. One of the reasons they're remote is because they want more flexible work. Um, or very likely that's one of the reasons they're remote. And so, uh, I think it's not okay. It's not fair to expect that they are on at every single moment of the day, 100% engaged. Maybe they'll be turning their Slack off to, uh, or sorry, Microsoft Teams as well, or AOL Instant Messenger, if that's still a thing. Um, maybe they'll be turning that off to be working on, to working on projects. So they're not distracted and you don't get to know that they're doing that necessarily. Cause you don't see that they're doing that. You just see that they're not responding. Um, maybe they have other commitments during the day. So. You know, I know individuals who have um, pretty pretty significant health problems who need to work from home for for comfort, and, you know, they need to go to doctor's appointments maybe, or, you know, they need to take breaks during the day. That's all, like, totally okay if they're getting their work done, but you might not get the same responsiveness from them. And so I think part of this is just expect a lower level of responsiveness and know that it's okay um, because they're getting their work done. But then I think the other piece of this is around setting the right expectations on responsiveness. So I think, um, so I'm, I'm thinking back to one specific example with a direct report, um, had a client of mine who, um, uh, this is a little while back. We were having some trouble getting, um, updates from him in the mornings on, on his projects. And there was like a bunch of work that had to be done every morning because of stuff that had come in overnight. And we were finding that we weren't getting any response from him on Slack until like much later in the day than would have been expected. And so we just sat down and we asked what was going on. And, um, and we reiterated sort of like, this is when the company typically works. Um, it's not expected that you are responsive within five seconds, but, you know, generally, unless you're specifically going offline for something that you've communicated in advance, responding within 15 to 30 minutes is, uh, is appropriate and, um, something we would, uh, we expect from this, this role and immediately changed, uh, got a lot faster responsiveness in the mornings and it was clearly just required a more specific conversation around it and wasn't a bigger deal than, than just that, but it required that conversation. And I think that's something to keep in mind with remote workers. Um, two, we talked about the coordination with other teams. So this is naturally going to be worse for remote employees because they're not sitting next to their counterparts. They're not sitting next to other functions. They can't go to a different floor and just go talk to a team. They have to schedule a meeting and, uh, everyone is very busy schedules and lots of overlapping meeting times. And I just think it, it's very normal for a remote employee to have a harder time coordinating their work with other teams. Um, I do think that there's an easy way around that, which is to force those interactions. So um one of my clients who i'm working with right now um, we're all in different locations and we have a twice weekly team level like company level meeting with all of us and then we have twice weekly meetings in the smaller functions that are like three or four of us and between that we are coordinating amongst the group basically every day so it's a slightly more meeting heavy culture than perhaps the average startup but it really works well for ensuring that the teams are coordinating the individuals are coordinating with each other and driving cross-functional work forward, even if they're not in the same place. And then the third item I'll call out as, um, possible or typical problem that you'll run into with remote employees, um, is the quality or timeliness of the work product. So I, I alluded to some of these examples earlier. Um, it's, it's really easy when you're not getting the right level of responsiveness from a remote employee to also start to see deadlines slip. Um, Maybe, you know, you didn't hear from them today and you were expecting this thing by end of day today. And, but you hear from them tomorrow morning and they say, actually I need the rest of the day. And suddenly it's the end of the day tomorrow that they're delivering it. Or maybe, you know, things slip pretty easily. I'm sure many managers have run into this even with in-person employees, but certainly with remote employees is very normal. Um, Same with the quality of work. Like it just gets sent to you, you know, 9 p.m. your time. And they're like, it's done. Um, and then they kind of walk away from it and, and you go look at it and you're like, okay, this is not at all what I expected. And then requires a, quite a bit of back and forth, uh, in terms of, uh, th- between you and the employee until you get the work to a good place. I think with remote work, and this is not questioning any remote employees intentions, but I think it's just, it's, a, it's a lot easier to, um, not hold yourself to deadlines when there isn't a bunch of, when there aren't a bunch of people around you it's a lot easier mentally to deliver slightly lower quality work when there isn't sort of like the person next to you who you know is going to have high expectations or have a negative response if you deliver low quality work. So I don't, I certainly don't blame this on people who want remote work. Like, um, this happens, this is just like natural human tendency. But I think given that that's the case, it's important to figure out workarounds for that quality wise. I think this is just a question of, um, one setting clearer expectations up front, not just like this is the output I want, but like the specific bullet points of the output, right? Like if you're saying I want a, um, what's something I work on with companies a lot, a standard, standard operating procedure. It's not just, Hey, send me the list of steps. It's, Hey, I actually, I want steps with screenshots. I want a zoom recording or some sort of like screen share where I can You walk someone through it. Um, the more you can, the more detailed you can get up front with, here's what I want this thing to look like, the more likely you are to get it. I guess that's a general management best practice, but it's certainly, uh, very helpful when, when managing a remote employees. Um, and then I think it's also a question of the check-in process. Um, no employee is going to bat 1000 or, you know, do it right a hundred percent of the time. Um, this is generally true of managing people that the check-in process is is equally as important as the expectation setting, because not everyone's going to get it right every time. And they need to understand they need to, you need, you as a manager need to set these up as learning experiences. That's only doubly true for remote employees, um, where they're maybe not as easily able to compare their work to others or, you know, get feedback from others around their work. You should be setting up checkpoints where you talk through, okay, here is the project that we just did. Let's talk through what went well, what didn't go well. I want to be really clear with you on like the areas that didn't go well. um, What needs to be different next time in order for, in in order for this to be meeting expectations from the very beginning. Um, If you go through that process in a very iterative format, so this might take a few reps on the same type of project, um, you should be seeing much better results by the third or fourth rep where that person has gotten the same feedback a few times and they're slowly making improvements. I think going through being very deliberate about that process when you're not able to sort of have a casual chat about it next to each other, like, Hey, like I, you know, if I'm sitting next to someone and uh, they send me a document that doesn't have all the information I need, I think it's really easy to just turn to them and say, Hey, um, would you mind adding this stuff? And generally speaking, I think it's good to add this stuff beforehand going forward. It's easy. It's not, uh, it's not a super intense conversation generally will be received. Well, if you say that on Slack, or if you say that in, um, you know, like a very formal scheduled meeting, it could be taken a little bit differently. And so, um, be very deliberate about setting up review time for the employee's work such that there is already a space set aside for it. Okay. So we talked about some of the problems that you run into, uh, managing remote employees, just want to take a step back for a moment and, and reiterate um, I am very, uh, pro hiring remotely. I think, you know, certainly it takes the right kind of profile. Not, not every single person is going to be a great remote employee, but also not every single person is gonna be a great in-person employee. You as a manager have a lot to make sure that you do effectively to manage a remote workforce, but I just think the one, the access to talent that you simply would not have by hiring just in-person is cannot, cannot be understated. Um, let's say that there are a thousand product managers in Austin, Texas, who you could hire, there are easily 10, 20, 30, many more times that number in the broader country, let alone when thinking about other countries. And when you have that larger talent pool the likelihood that the right person is going to be available at the right time that you are looking for them is just so much higher. So I think you'll hire faster. And I also think you'll hire better talent. And the other piece is, um, there are a lot of people out there who need to be able to work remotely. Um, and when you give them that opportunity, you're getting access to a whole talent pool that even if they were in the same city as you, they would not be working for you. And so it's kind of like an un, uh, unaddressed opportunity in the marketplace to go after the population of very talented employees who simply need to work from home for whatever reason or, or just prefer it. And so when you as a company or when you as a leader open yourself up to hiring remotely, you open yourself up to a world of talent that you would never have access to otherwise. And Um, I think the, the problems that come with managing people remotely are very easily overcome. The problems that come from a very tight labor market are not nearly as easily overcome. And so when I think about that trade-off, uh, I, I pick the, at least the option for remote hiring every single time. All right. Uh, that was 30 minutes about remote management and hiring. So thanks so much for taking the time and hope you enjoyed all feedback as always is welcome. Please feel free to reach out.